Uh, well, Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Is it weird to say Happy New Year eight days into the new year? It's weird? Still fresh? When do you have to stop saying Happy New Year? Today's the limit? A weekend? Okay, quick show of hands. Who made a resolution? Who set some goals for 2023? Okay, handful. All right. This is a safe place. We love you. Who has already failed in some of your resolutions and goals? Anybody? I see those hands. It's okay. God, God loves you. It's good. It's good. Uh, maybe you didn't make any resolutions this year because you just knew it probably wouldn't go well, right? Uh, we, we've all been there. People make all kinds of resolutions every year. I'm going to show you the top five resolutions that are made, but do you have any guesses what they are? Lose weight is definitely in that top five. Read more? Nope, that wasn't in the top five. That's a great goal to read more. It's good. Anybody other guesses top five? Run an Ironman. Jason has just shared with us his, his goal, so let's all hold him to that. Nope. Anybody else? Any guesses in the top five? Nope. That's a good one. You should do that. No more drinking. That's a, that's a great resolution for some people, no doubt. Uh, here are the top five most common resolutions. Number one is exercise more. Uh, number two is to eat healthier. Number three is lose weight. Those first three kind of all clump together, right? Then number four is to save more money, and number five is to spend more time with family and friends. Here's what I would point out to you about these things. All of these relate to health, okay? The first three, obviously, your physical health, your financial health there, number four, number five, your relational health. Let me just encourage you, take stock of the various facets of your health this year. What you don't see up there is anything calling us to examine our spiritual health, and I know this is a super youth pastor thing to say, but... Consider what steps you might take to be spiritually more healthy this year. Something that we should do. Now, I mentioned that a lot of times resolutions fail, and some of you have already failed. That's okay. I asked the adults earlier when we were meeting, like, who all made resolutions? Only one adult, because we're all so beaten down and we've, we've failed so much, we know. Uh, that, that's, a, that's not true. I mean, it is true only one person had actually done it. But I'll show you some stats on this. 25% of resolutions fail in the first week. So for those of you who already raised your hands, again, you're, you're not alone. It's okay. 75% of resolutions fail in the first month. Just under 10% make it through the entire year. So if you've got goals, you've got resolutions, you've got something you're striving for this year, I think that's awesome. But it's going to take uh, a lot to cross the finish line. Uh, the, the reality is we think there's something magical about January 1st, but there's not. There's nothing magical about it. You probably don't get a lot of sleep. You wake up uh, kind of frumpy grumpy, if we're honest, to start the new year. Maybe I'm just talking to us older people in the room. If you have a handout, you see you've got a series of blanks. This is what I want you to write down in the first set. New year does not equal new you. New year does not equal new you. When you go to bed, if you go to bed, the last day of the year and you wake up on that first day of the year, no magic switch has been flipped. You're not a different person just because it's January 1st. That's not how it works. And, and let me speak further to this for a moment. There's no switch that flips when you turn 18 or when you walk across the stage and get your diploma or when you move out and go to college or you move out and you get that first job, that first apartment. Like there's no adulthood threshold that you cross over and all of a sudden, I'm a new person. No, you're not. You're the same person different circumstances. Who you are today will absolutely play into who you are tomorrow. And the day after that, 
and the month after that, and the year after that. A change is possible, and a lot of times it's gradual, but the decisions you're making now, even if you're a freshman, you're 14, 15 years old, you're like, ah, I'm young, I got time. Maybe. But the decisions you make today will influence who you are tomorrow. So don't lose sight of that. Don't, don't fall for this trick of thinking, new year, new me. That's just not how it works. Now, why do these resolutions fail? What do you think? Why do you think so many people fail so quickly in their resolutions? What do you think? Pride? Pride? Great answer. Love that. What else? Why do you think resolutions fail? Yeah. Yeah, you. They take time, right? And we, we mishandle and misjudge our time. Yeah. Anybody else? Why do you think they fail? In the back. Say it again. Commitment, a lack thereof, right? Uh, Right here, Sophie. You're tired? Yeah, no doubt. I I think a lot of resolutions fail because we set unrealistic ones. You're like, I'm going to wake up every day at 4 a.m. And I'm going to read my Bible, at least 10 chapters. And I'm going to write God a psalm in Hebrew. And I'm going to pray for every family member and everyone on my street. Like, I'm going to do this all for you, God, every morning. You're not going to do that. You're just not. And if you are, please teach the rest of us how you're doing that, because none, none of the rest of us are doing it. We set unrealistic goals. Underneath that, though, we set these goals and we rely on ourselves. And you've been told this over and over. Hey, you can only count on yourself. Work hard. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, you can do it if you just dig down. Your willpower can only take you so far. The most disciplined person in this room, and I don't know who that is, it's probably not me, the most disciplined person in this room, you will come to the end of yourself and you will fail yourself. You know how mad you get when you let yourself down. You know what I'm talking about. The only transformation that really lasts comes from God. So you see in the second set of blanks there, you've got one on the left and one on the right with some arrows flowing. I want you to write this. Holy Spirit leads to transformation. Holy Spirit leads to transformation. We need God to supernaturally help us make change. We need Him to plant that desire within our hearts and minds to even make that change. And He has to be the one to show us the change that we need to make. You wonder why you continue to fail and you continue to fail and you continue to fail and you're stuck in this spiral and cycle and you're sick of it, but you can't get out. Because you're trying to do it in your own power. You're not relying on God. You're not even asking God to be a part of things. I want you to see what Paul says in Romans 12. Uh, This is the first two verses. I won't read all of this to you. These are pretty well-worn, well-known verses for a lot of us. But what he says in, in Romans 12 too is that God will transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. God needs to change who you are on a fundamental level for you to be able to make some of these lasting changes that you're looking for. The Holy Spirit has to be a part of this. The Holy Spirit lives inside those of us who are truly sons and daughters of God. And I say this with love, hear me. Some of you in this room, you think you're following Jesus, you think you have a relationship with Him, you don't. You're just doing the kind of Christian motions. You're going through it. Hey, I go to church. I sign up for all these trips. I serve. I do this. Those things don't make you a Christian. 
you lack a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit does not indwell you, and that's why you're struggling to actually change. Maybe you think I'm being mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be loving and be honest. Here's what I want to do. Some of, some of you, I just described you. Some of you have actually honestly been following God, but you're struggling. Maybe you know there's somewhere you need to change, but you're not sure how. I want to take maybe just 30 seconds, and we're going to pray this prayer. Everybody by yourself, you just pray, Holy Spirit, reveal truth to me. And that might be different for all of us in this room. 30 seconds of silence, you pray and ask God. I challenge you, keep praying that. Not just today, but every day. Ask God to reveal truth to you. Here's good news for those of us who have already failed in resolutions and goals. You don't have to wait for next January 1st to make another one. You're like, well, oh well, this year's a waste. I'll just do whatever I want for another 350 some odd days. Don't do that, okay? Again, there's nothing special about January 1st. I want to show you a couple of verses from the Old Testament Uh, Really, both of our passages today are are obscure Old Testament books that you've probably not spent extensive time in. Uh, When I was your age, which yes, did happen once upon a time, I was at student camp one summer and a staffer got up and shared these verses and I have never forgotten them. Uh, They've been hugely transformational in my life. And I would just encourage you, if you're a note taker, jot this down. This is Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Every single day is a chance for you to start over. You don't have to live in this cycle of failure and sin and beating yourself up because you can't seem to make the right choices or do the right things. Every single day you can come to God and say, I have failed and I need you. And so as we stand here a week into the new year, I just challenge you to think about, okay, how have I already gone off the path I wanted to be on? And how can God begin to bring me back? There is mercy for you. There is grace for you. You cannot out the love of God. I hope that you won't forget that. Those are some verses I would jot down and put them on a sticky note, maybe on my steering wheel or on my bathroom mirror. I would put those somewhere that you could see them because they can be helpful for you. Tonight, if you've got a Bible, I want to look at the book of Amos. Again, not a book you've probably spent extensive time in. If you've got one of our books, uh, one of our Bibles from the back, it's on page 737. It's in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet. We're going to look at just a few verses from Amos chapter 5. Uh, Amos 5, before we start reading, I got to prep you a little bit. It's not unkind, but no punches are pulled as we read here. These words are spoken to God's chosen people, Israel, in the midst of a season where they have rejected him. 
And they have been just doing whatever they want to do, kind of living their own way. I think this is something we can all relate with because we know what it's like to do our own thing and just go, whatever, God, you can kind of just stay over here. I'm going to keep my hand on the wheel. Uh, and this is God speaking to his people through his prophet Amos. Let's look at Amos 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, I hate all your show and your pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. God's saying, I hate the hypocrisy of your religiosity. You think you're doing something because you can speak Christianese and you come in here and do all this stuff. I hate it. It's offensive to me. He continues verse 22. He says, I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain offerings. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. We give an offering today, like we pass a plate, right? You give a portion of, of what you have earned. That, that's something that we do. They had different types of offerings back then. They had the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, peace offerings. Like there's all kinds of Old Testament stipulations for what these things should be. These people were not doing this in good faith. Functionally, they were trying to bribe God. Here you go, God, I gave you a little something. Aren't you happy? Be happy with it. You should be good with this. I'm giving you a little portion. God says, no, I reject that. I don't, want, I don't want your scraps, your leftovers, your bribes. And you're like, man, that's pretty harsh. I can't believe they would do that. You do it too. God, I give you my Sunday afternoons. What else do you want from me? I, I, I serve on Sunday mornings sometimes. What else do you want from me? You're not doing it because you actually love God. You're doing it out of obligation. And God says, no, I don't want that. That is of no interest to me. Keep going. Verse 23. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Your heart is far from God. But boy, you'll stand here with those eyes closed and get those hands out. in that perfect like Christian concert posture. God says, I don't care about that. You're fake. I don't want you to just come in here and, and praise me for 20 minutes once a week, and you go out and the things that come out of your mouth are disgusting. I have no interest in that. And it's not all downing on them. There's something prescriptive. Verse 24, instead I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. God says, stop being fake and let what you say you believe actually inform how you live. Let there be justice. Let there be righteousness, right living. Don't just go through the motions. You can jot these down in, in the notes section if you want to. Uh, well, we'll get to those in a minute. Actually, it's your last blanks. Uh, hypocrisy versus authenticity. I think that's the juxtaposition we see here in these few verses. Hypocrisy versus authenticity. The reality is if you were looking for a best friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend... You would not want someone who lives a life of hypocrisy. You want authenticity. You don't want to be around somebody who always says one thing and does another. You don't want to be around somebody that you can't count on to be genuine. You want someone who's authentic to be in relationship with you. And that should be true in how we approach God as well. Don't be a hypocrite. You don't have to put on a front. The Bible tells us over and over that God sees right through that to the heart anyway. So you're really just wasting your time. Be authentic, be genuine, do this thing for real. 
this is what I was talking about. You can jot these down underneath it. Uh, just kind of some markers of hypocrisy versus authenticity. The talk versus the walk. Maybe you've been that person. Maybe you know that person who always talks a really good game, but they never back it up. That could be in how they brag about their sports proficiency, but you step out on the court of the field, they can't back it up. That's talk versus walk. Or maybe that's the person who's like, yeah, we should get together, but you never actually do, right? They never actually seem to have time for you. Talk is cheap. It's the actions that really prove out. Same thing, intention versus action. There's a common saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I really meant to do better. I really meant to call that person. I really meant to step up when I should have. But you didn't. You don't get credit for intentions. It's not how it works. People who are living in hypocrisy, they want people to think they're about it, but they never actually are. And the reality is, people who live hypocritically, it's disgusting to God. Like, man, I thought God was loving and kind and gracious. He is those things. But when you try to front and you try to be fake and you try to act like you're something that you're not, God is not well pleased with that. That's not attractive to Him. Being genuine, even when it costs you something, that's what God is looking for. Jesus talked about this. Jesus had some pretty harsh words for the religious leaders of His day. Uh, I'll share just a few of those with you. This comes from Matthew 23. He's talking, you see at the beginning here, to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites, which, I mean, listen, if someone to your face calls you a hypocrite, that conversation has gone some kind of sideways. He says, you're careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside is filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. says that they're blind. He tells them they should first wash the inside and then worry about the outside He's basically saying, like, you put on a show, you put on a front, but what you've got inside of you is disgusting. None of you would do that, right? Like, your favorite coffee cup, your favorite bowl, whatever you have at the house, you would never clean just the outside and leave the gunk and the crumbs and the hardened food particles inside of there and go, well, this is okay. No, it's gross. Soak that thing. Get it clean. You've got to do something. But that's, that's how we live sometimes. And Jesus goes on and says, basically, that these people, these religious leaders, he again calls them hypocrites. He says, you're like a whitewashed tomb. He says, outside looks great. Inside is full of rot, filth, and decay. I'm not trying to come out swinging on you in the, in the new year, but also I kind of am because I think these words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago are true of some of the people in this room. You put on a great show and a great front, and you can fool us here at church, your small group leader. You can fool me. I'm not that hard to fool. I'm not the smartest guy around. You can fool your parents, your grandparents. You know how to talk in fluent Christianese. You know all the words to all the songs. You put on a great front, but the reality is your heart's far from God. And the things that you do when you think no one's watching, they reflect that you don't care what God thinks about your life. And that's why we're doing this message, which is called Reset. Now is a chance for you to reset and rethink the path that you are on. There's nothing magical about the month of January. There's not. But it is a great time with the rest of the year stretched out ahead of us to think about what can I do? How can I change? How can I turn? How can I rely on God? So here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, we've got the band. They're going to come and they're going to sing one last song. But as they're coming, I want to share with you one kind of random passage. But I've always really enjoyed this. This is Paul writing the church at Ephesus. 
He says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. You're like, wow, that's really profound. Like, stop being a thief. Yeah, I, yes. This is what he then says. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. He doesn't say just stop doing this thing. He says, instead, do this. So stop using your hands for evil. Use them for good. It's not enough to just stop that bad habit. You need to think about what spiritual discipline can I develop? How can I be moving towards Christ? Instead of just stopping, how can I start? He goes on and says, don't use foul or abusive language. Okay, cool. Some of us really would do well to clean up the things that we're saying. But it's more than just stopping that. He goes on and says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Paul's trying to help the church at Ephesus see it's not enough to just stop doing something. You've got to think about the direction you're going to start walking in. Because if you're stagnant, you just stop. You're like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. And you just stand there. You're going to fall back into that eventually. You just will. So I encourage you to think, how can I take a step towards Christ? Here's what we're going to do. They're going to play this song. This is a great song for you to just think and reflect on. I'm going to ask you not to stand, not to sing. For some of us, it would be a, a show and a farce anyway. Now's a great time to pray and reflect. Listen to these lyrics. Think about the words that we just read in God's word. Pray that simple prayer again. Holy Spirit, show me truth. Maybe that truth is hard. That's okay. Ask him to show you how you can take a step. I'm going to pray for us. God, the reality is many of us in this room struggle to obey you on a daily basis. We live in rebellion and we know it. I pray that you would break down our pride. Help us in humility to see our need for you. I pray that even in these next few minutes that you would help us to reset, to refocus and recenter on you. Holy Spirit, show us truth break our hearts over our sin. Lead us closer to you, Jesus. We thank you for the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that you provide for us. We love you. We make this prayer in your name.